Hello and welcome to the Geek Standing Boyle Retrospective Podcast, where our UK team will be looking through the entire cinematic work of director Danny Boyle in chronological order, from his 1995 debut Shallow Grave to this year's Trainspotting 2. We'll have a new podcast up every Wednesday and every Saturday leading up to the US release of T2 on March the 17th. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout, and Geeks and Tessellate do not represent any of the companies or creative talents involved with any of these films. This podcast is 100% unofficial and independent. Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome to episode 9 of our Danny Boyle Geeks Retrospective podcast. We're going through every single film in Danny Boyle's... uh, the, the filmography <laughs> that's the word <laughs> i went through oeuvre to discography not filmography starting <laughs> with his 1995 debut shallow grave working all the way up to train spotting to the american release on march the 17th this is episode nine Holy that's correct fuck. isn't it nine yep. yeah yeah uh, we are on 127 hours i'm your host al white and joining me through all of the films Haruka Abe and, and allison holland how are you guys doing we're nearly there we're in the home stretch. Yeah. Wow. We just got this, and then we've got some trance, and then we've got Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs, and then Transporting 2 to round it all out. Wow. And then we get the difficult task of putting all these in order, which is the <laughs> bit I'm most looking forward to. And I'm getting really confused because at the end of each podcast, we give our score, but we're making it kind of clear our score isn't cemented because it takes time. You've got to go away and digest, yeah. and mm-hmm. then things will shuffle around a lot. And I, I don't... I'm. I thought when I was coming into this, I knew what order I'd put stuff in, and I don't know anymore. Yeah, I don't either. Mm, yeah. I'm a little bit confused. Ah, Harika, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you have a look of resolve around here. <laughs> 127 hours then came out in 2010. Uh, so the last film, obviously Slumdog Millionaire, his biggest film to date at the time, still his biggest film by far. Um, it had a production budget of 15 million and had raked in 150 million, nearly 141, uh, 142 million. So they gave him more budget for this one. This oh, one really? cost more to make. And there's really? like much less cost millionaire. and everything. Uh, the production budget was $18 million. Uh, and it made a domestic gross of $18 million. Wow. <laughs> uh, worldwide, $60 million overall. It did well on the foreign market. Um, also got a bunch of uh, nominations. It was nominated for six Oscars. Really? Um, which was for Picture, uh, Best Actor, Adapted screenplay, editing, original score, and original song. Uh, but it didn't win any of those Oscars, unlike Slumdog Millionaire. Womp mm. womp. Uh, starring, of course, James Franco, the, uh, the effortlessly stoned. <laughs> His face, I just never take James Franco seriously. Yeah. And as we were saying during mm. the film, I've, I've heard from a friend of mine who knows him quite well that he's actually teetotal and doesn't do any drugs. I think he probably used to. Well, like, surely he used to. Yeah. But they seem to have had an effect on his face because yeah. <laughs> he just looks like he's constantly he's stoned. forever stoned. Yeah, maybe he just has a stoner face that he can't get rid of. Yeah. He does say in the film, this is just my face. I can't take this off. Exactly. <laughs> um, written by Danny Boyle and yeah. Simon Beaufoy, who had written Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, right. Um, as well as, as we said last time, Full Monty, Hunger Games, Catching Fire, um, and Everest. Another film about explorers mm. with things going wrong. Mm. Uh, but based also upon the book, which was written by Aaron Ralston himself, um, who is the lead character. Uh, also has who have we got? We've got Kate Mara, we've got Amblin Tamblin, 
Oh, that rhymes. Amber Tamblin. Amber Lynn. Tamblin. We've got a bunch of little tiny. We've got Lizzie Kaplan. We've got a bunch of little. Where uh, was she? I saw her name in the credits and then couldn't figure out. I don't think she I was Sonia. So she's like, you see her in one scene. Um, she's his sister. Ah. Uh, uh, when he's apologizing to her for, he won't oh, be there for her wedding. Oh, yeah. What do you I know? I didn't even what notice that. Uh, Masters of Sex and she is Janice Ian in Mean Girls. <laughs> There you go, Mean <laughs> Girls. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Masters of Sex. Yeah. 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 I've only seen like one episode of Masters of Sex. Is it good? Is it good? Yeah. The first season is much better than the second. Is that what they Was, was there not that many seasons of Masters of Sex? I don't know. Still? I stopped after the second. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I got through the second. Um, so, here's a general synopsis on IMDb. This is written actually by Fox Searchlight Pictures this time. Oh, it's an uh-huh. official. So, this should be the real deal. Uh, 127 Hours is a true story of mountain climber Aaron Ralston's remarkable adventure to save himself after a fallen boulder crashes on his arm, traps him in an isolated canyon in Utah. Over the next five days, Ralston examines his life and survives the elements to finally discover he has the courage and the wherewithal. Wherewithal? Is that how you say that? Yeah. Wherewithal. (laughs) I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> to extricate himself by any means necessary, scale a 65-foot wall and hike over eight miles before he can be rescued. Throughout his journey, Ralston recalls friends, lovers, family, and the two hikers he met before his accident. Will they be the last two people he ever had the chance to meet? Well, no, because you just told us in the synopsis. <laughs> he goes out and hikes eight miles. That's a dumb fucking... What a fuck. When it's a true story, I feel most people go into it knowing what happened well True. let's get straight into that because here's the here's the interesting problem with this film because i remember when this came out i've seen this once before at cinemas i may have seen it again at some point on blu-ray to show it to my mom or dvd or something mm. can't remember haruko do you seen this before i saw it in the cinema once yeah when okay. it first came out and you hadn't seen like all of these no. other than thumbs up um but did, so okay so you're aware of that you're aware of the story of this guy yep just because of the story of the guy or because of press around the film do you think i heard i remember hearing this story from either my mom or my dad because it had been on the news and then i researched it and learned more about it after the movie came out okay and you're obviously because you you were in texas at the time i'm guessing mm-hmm. um it was only a couple of states over from utah so yep. yeah you're more in the parameter we're out here well I was where out they in, would be talking in europe yeah. where mm-hmm. no one's going to be talking about the real life thing when it happened i only heard about it because of press around the movie and they definitely sold it on it's based on the true story of the guy who cuts his arm off yep, yeah same yeah yeah mm-hmm. Which for me was kind of a problem I remember going into the film. of like, okay, I like simple, boiled down plots like this. You have just one person, one location. What do they do? You know, like how do they get out of something? You've got to think your way out. But knowing clear, you know, they were advertising very clearly. He gets out by cutting his arm off. Right. I was kind of like, how can you really, how am I going to be able to enjoy this film? Knowing what the eventual solution is, mm-hmm. not worrying too much about him because I know he's going to get out. And, yeah. stuff. and they made such a big deal about how people fainted during the arm cutting scene or something. And that yeah. was like the premiere or something. So yeah. it was huh. all out in the media before anyone, many people had a chance to watch it. Exactly. Um, so how was that for you on your first viewing with this? When you went to cinema, did that? I didn't like it. You didn't like when it when I you first went, saw it? Yeah. Um, I think it was the last film that I watched in a cinema by Danny Boyle. Um, apart from Trainspotting 2, obviously, yeah, which yeah, yeah. we did go to see in cinema. cinema. But um, yeah, it kind of put me off. Okay. The so Slumdog had dampened it a bit and yeah. then this was the one that yeah, kind of Yeah, because yeah, I didn't no. like Slumdog much. And then I was like, oh yeah, I'll, another Danny Boyle film's out, so I'll give it a go. Although I don't have too like, high mm-hmm. an expectation. And I came out thinking, yeah. 
didn't like it. Didn't do it for you. Okay. Did did any of that? Do you feel come from you knowing what's going to happen? Possibly, in the film? possibly, because okay. then because that's the most dramatic thing that happened in the film, and you know, like going into the cinema knowing that kind of, yeah, did ruin it a bit. I think. Yeah, so. yeah. I I'd kind of, um, I had a different experience. I remember liking it a lot at the, the first time I saw it. But I did have that was definitely a problem for me. Was kind of like you've really got to hold my attention when you know if I'm bored for a second, I'm gonna be thinking about well I know what happens at the end of this movie. So you've really got to like grab me the whole way through, mm. which is tough to do in a single person film anyway. But no matter one where everybody goes in knowing what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well uh, since we're going because we're going to be discussing our viewing right now, and this is your first viewing, Ali. So we'll yeah. come to you I guess later on to see if it affected you okay. with your first viewing of it. Um, and I find it kind of interesting going back now, like very definitely knowing that and the rest of the film and having some objective space from it kind of thing to reapproach it. Um, I did find actually online, which we should maybe look afterwards um, because he did his video footage, um, obviously, which is in the film. And I kept checking out what was real about the film, what wasn't real about the film. Yeah. It's very like he was very closely involved with the making of the film. They shot a week in the actual canyon where it happened and then the rest uh-huh. of it they made on set um, in, where is it? I've got it written down here. It was a abandoned warehouse. Um, where is it? Sorry, I wrote things England, down in a weird. Uh, and they filmed a week in the Royal Canyon, then they repeated the canyon in a warehouse in a converted furniture factory in Salt Lake City. Oh, interesting. But they didn't let the set float or move, um, so that it was basically a recreated canyon that couldn't be moved, so it couldn't be pulled in and out for cameras or lenses or anything like right. that, uh, to make sure that the cameraman and Franco had the same you know, geographical spaces oh, to shoot in. So it felt realistic. Um, and they also gave Franco only the same instruments to like work with while he was down there. So he could really get into that headspace, um, which was something Danny Boyle was really passionate about. Um, Danny Boyle was 54 years old when he made this film, by the way, which we haven't been keeping up to date with his age, but I find it, I do find it increasingly, mm. whether I love or hate each film, I find it very impressive the mm. energy he has in yeah. um, mm. for someone who, of increasing age. Um, and what was the other bit? There was another bit of interesting trivia. Um, yeah, but I was looking at the video f- journals were true, but he has refused to show them to the public. He's, uh, he's just keeping okay. them for himself and family. He did show, share them with Danny Boyle and James Franco, from what I read. Um, and it is actually like a 55-second clip that people can see up online, which somehow has got online. I don't know if you released that officially or if someone just managed to get hold of that right um so if you do uh google aaron ralston blue john uh canyon incident you can get a clip of his video diary um mm. which i have not looked at yet but we can look at maybe afterwards because it's probably yeah chilling in a weird way <laughs> um all right so let's get into the movie proper we're going to be reading as always from the wikipedia um, blow 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 I say as always since we started doing this a few films ago <laughs> <I got laughs> bored so the plot here in the Wikipedia this is the shortest plot that we have here uh, mapped out um, ironically it's the longest one I've got notes of so mm. I can help fill it out hopefully a bit so we kick off the film um, and we have the first split screen opening yep. mm-hmm. from Danny Ball that's the first note I've got down um, ton of energy Music immediately going. No voiceover again. No voiceover. Seems to have abandoned his voiceovers. Um, but we get a montage of real life footage. Uh, people in like marathon races. People at the stock market, I think. People Was getting on and off of trains. Yep. There was like um, bicycle races. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, cyclists, Cy- swimmers. 
I was trying to okay. like get the full connection because originally mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, it's athletes was the connection, and this is the kind of world that Aaron's head is in. Yeah. But then just there was definitely some bits like just to do with people on trains, and I'm, yeah. I'm almost hundred percent sure there was a stock market thing as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just like a massing of peoples um, yeah. to show like the busy world because you're about to get the quiet world of, of mm-hmm. America, um, and then potentially picking out more athletic things because of his personality. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't hundred percent sure on the yeah, connection yeah. between everything. Yeah, I was. I was wondering the same thing actually. Um, I thought maybe it was something to do with like racing and people trying to like, you know, out run each other and that kind of thing but yeah i didn't really didn't really get it didn't connect um but then through this you gradually do get clips of james franco um who's getting ready immediately to go um it, again we're kind of being launched straight into something here we don't mm-hmm. get much standing we don't get much we don't get to meet anybody mm-hmm. beforehand we're just with him he's already on his way out to go mm-hmm. on this trip you don't really see his face while he's rummaging yeah. through his stuff what to take and stuff yeah so. you're just seeing all the bits he's going to be picking up mm-hmm. that you're going to most of the film's going to focus around which i like they're setting it up yeah um and it's set to the song with the lyrics of take it if it makes you numb and take it if it makes you come which so yeah. great great there you go. line there you go <laughs> um <laughs> yeah and then of course we get the voice messages on his phone playing over the top of the opening which is great because narratively speaking very smart very succinct very easy way to give you information about him um it's his sister on the phone isn't it to him talking to him at one point to check in with mom because mom worries Mm. yeah because he's not talking to and communicating to people and he's just ignoring it um and then we immediately have some cool Danny Ball shots as well we get the camera inside the water bottle straight away at the beginning um and then he drives out to the desert. The camera starts to settle a little bit more. We start to lose our split screen. He passes a bunch of cyclists through the desert. Can anyone decode this for me? Because we do come back to it again later. It suddenly goes to slow modes. Him as the lead cyclist clock each other. Yeah. As if they know each other or as if he's seeing himself in the past or something. I couldn't quite understand what was going on. I don't really. Do you remember I that don't... bit? Yeah, no, I remember it. It's when he's driving out. And it goes and really remember, slow motion, and yeah. they definitely like look at yeah. each other with this oh. look of oh, as if like they hey. re- recognize but that each was, other. That was James Franco, right? Is that what yeah. I'm saying? Is that him? Yeah, like, I think so. I think, from yeah, the past. I thought it was yeah. just him connecting. I don't know if it was him from the past, but yeah, he kind of saw himself. Okay. In I don't know. Yeah. Oh, he's just yeah. seeing himself in them. You think? Okay. Possibly. Um, yeah. Not sure. There's another. I don't know if it's just him thinking back to when he used to do things in groups, because later on in the film he talks about how. He always does everything alone. Uh, right, okay. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I just uh, assumed it was him connecting to cyclists because he does or used to cycle maybe with groups like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't quite. It was another little Danny Boyle surreal moment where I like them, but I'm not really sure what he's yeah. trying to tell me, right. to be honest. Um, so, yeah, then he's heading out to Utah's Canyonlands National Park. Which is a place I've been to a bunch of times. You've you've been to Canyonlands. It's really beautiful. I have not. Very beautiful, and it was weird now watching the film, having spent a lot of time in these areas. It's kind of near Antelope Canyon and near Grand Canyon as well. It's near where we turn off towards Grand Junction as okay. well when we're heading into Colorado, where we just did our filming. Um, and it's definitely weird now, like yeah, knowing more of those places and having spent time just wandering around, you know, by yourself or with yeah. a partner or a friend or whatever, and just realizing, yeah how easily things like there's just nobody there's nobody at all and just how beautiful and terrifying it is at the yeah. same time i was just re-watching um nocturnal animals last night and 
uh, is weird like where those films hit you in your life like it's itself in texas down one of those little dirt paths in the desert and once you spend time in those areas of america you really do it's a different type of fear of just yeah i've driven down those paths and i could have got a flat tire easily or this could have happened and yeah um whereas i remember when i watched this i had no concept of like this magical canyon sort of world <laughs> that america could be do you find that you're connected to any of these places because of growing up in texas and stuff um i mean it's places that just feel familiar to me so i don't really think about it just because driving from el paso to austin for school it's a lot of just big open flat land um el paso it's there's mountains around el paso but you get out of it pretty quickly when you're heading towards the center of texas but then when driving from like el paso to san diego we would do a lot and you kind of that feels more like this Okay. When you're driving through Arizona, at least. Are they legitimate fears of like your parents when you're growing up in those places? Or they warn you about going no. on hikes or anything? No, no, no. I mean, we grew up in El Paso, which is a big yeah. city. We never really ventured out by ourselves to the big open places, especially alone. Okay. Um, yeah, he's using genuine handheld consumer cameras straight away from the beginning as well, which mm -hmm. I liked, where he's already filming himself in the car and stuff. And you get an immediate idea for this character. He's kind of cocky and rambunctious and adventurous and loud and energetic. Mm -hmm. Do you guys like him? <laughs> I, it's funny that you say that because I was writing down that it's so refreshing to see him as like a goofy character. So mm -hmm. I didn't really get the cockiness, but he's super energetic, goofy, mm -hmm. just like a big clown. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is the first time I'm not looking at him like a bro. James Franklin <laughs> makes me very happy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And you like him being like, yeah, I get the goofiness because he's a he's a mechanical engineer. He says that yeah. on in the mm -hmm. film, doesn't he? And you can definitely see that in him of like yeah, someone who's really outdoorsy, but he's also it's, dorky. I mean, a dork who's he's like you look at him and he's still super buff and attractive and everything. Mm -hmm. But he pulled off the dorkiness, especially when it's him and the two girls, mm -hmm. and he's just like randomly running away, screaming about him being a weirdo and skipping on rocks. And right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, mean, convinced. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, I mean, it's hard to like dislike James Franco because he's James Franco. But um, yeah, no, I, I kind of, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I didn't connect to the character in okay. the beginning. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I just didn't get much of, because, yeah, because we don't, we didn't, we see, we don't see him like being, what's the word like personal mm -hmm. um and you don't really see you can't really see into his psyche yeah um in the beginning because you don't really see him interacting with other people or, you know um you don't get his relationship with yeah his day-to-day -day life or the people around him yeah. or his workplace or his yeah. family or so you get that he's like he's not in touch with his family much and stuff um but then doesn't really you don't really get to know his family and stuff so it's a bit like okay so okay yeah oh totally well i mean i guess it is yeah i mean it's, it's a good point and it is a big point in the film i think they're just trying to get across his connection to the environment and mm. the sort of danger he likes to put mm -hmm. himself in basically very well and that's the important thing about the character and you either yeah do connect to that yeah. or you don't um i think that's smart with the editing and the music mm. at the beginning to just draw you into look it's yeah. a fun world that he's in and the things yeah. he does are fun and i mean and they it's sorry no 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 there's uh, the moment i liked and probably the first moment i kind of felt some kind of connection to the character was when he um he was mountain biking down the canyon or mm. something and he fell over 
Yeah. And he, instead of like, you know, being upset about it, he it started collapsed. laughing and he took a selfie with his camera. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> I thought was like a sweet moment. It's what you would yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that's really important. I think they're very meticulous actually with what they show. And be, I don't think there's a shot really wasted despite the strange sort of um, uh, split screen at the beginning of stuff in real life. But showing the stuff he picks up, showing him ignoring his family, showing his sort of like, yeah, sort of fun, like ent- um, goofy side of him heading out into the desert. And then, yeah, falling off the bike is like cl- really, you need to see he can get in scrapes and he doesn't care. Like, yep, he can, keep going. yeah, he's used to this and he's used to the danger of it and he finds it more fun and entertaining living on the edge a little bit. Because mm. they shoot that bike fall quite painfully. Mm, <laughs> like, it yeah, looks yeah. like it really hurt. <laughs> And then he meets, yeah, these two girls. Um, and it's really important for that as well because then you get to see how he does interact with other people. And you have that great line from her. We'll talk a bit more about his actual interaction with the girls, but that great line from her at the end um, where they've invited to a party and one of them says, you think he's actually going to show up? And the other one says, I don't think we figured in his day, day at all. Which I really like because that tells you everything about, like, he's not interested in other people and he's not interested in flirting with people and he's not interested in the things most characters would be. He's just interested in being alone, living on the edge, like enjoying these places and yeah. like, yeah, like, and chooses to share them in a tiny slice of that for a moment. Mm. Um, before that, though, we do get the cool shot, which I really liked because he gets to the canyons and it's nighttime and he sleeps overnight and the music suddenly calms just for a few seconds and it's all peaceful. Um, and then the camera's like going out the back of the Jeep. Do you remember this shot? And then suddenly mm-hmm. the doors open and it turns to daylight yeah. and his bicycle goes over the top of the camera oh, like, yeah. to start the whole scene. And it's really fucking weird. It's a weird shot. It's a really like, it's it's both really cool and really cheesy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't like it because it felt really cheesy <laughs> yeah. and tacky. But, you know, it was a cool, cool shot, I suppose. It was a very Danny Boyle shot. Mm. Um, and then we're, then he starts putting the camera in even weirder places, like inside the, the, the plastic water straw that he has. The camelback, mm. yeah. yeah. Is that what they call them? Camelbacks. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. cool. Uh, which I really love. Yeah. It was. It reminded me of those um, shots in Trainspotting with the syringes. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of, yeah. There's a lot in this film and that's something which, yeah, I guess I might as well say now, but this film for me is such an amalgamation of his previous films. Like There are things like that where he puts the camera, which is so Trainspotting. Um, obviously the psyche breaking later on in the film which is very train spotting incredibly the beach like so much the beach like from what he does with the girls and them diving into the water which yeah. is very mm-hmm. initiation again mm-hmm. the beauty of this like place that no one's really found mm-hmm. or you know people aren't really there and then how treacherous and dangerous that can go later in the second half which mm-hmm. is again very much like the beach only we can discuss later if he does it more successfully here or not with how he shows the psyche breaking up then he uses the flashback structure a little bit like he did in Slumdog in terms of taking bits to then show you to fill in the character later in the film so you mm-hmm. understand them more. And then at the beginning, like the beginning is actually very 28 Days Later in a strange way in terms of he shows you a lot and then it's not until he gets trapped in the rock that the title comes up. So the yeah. title isn't a title really. It's kind of just some information yeah. of here. Now the, the timer is beginning yeah. with 127 hours. That must have been like 20 minutes into the film. Yeah. yeah. It's the way into the film. And the film's yeah. only an hour and a half. It's, I think, his shortest film or one of his shortest films. Right. Um, and then you immediately get him looking up at the sky and you have the 28 days later thing of the plane passing mm. again over right. the top, which we talked about before of like yeah. connecting you to the outside world, but you're stuck but alone. Not being able yeah. to communicate with up. them or reach them. Yeah. So it was really like a little mixed bag of 
Like, you could see all of his films, I feel, in yeah. this movie. Other than Sunshine, possibly. <laughs> I don't know if there are many nods to Sunshine. Um, so, yeah, we get this cool scene with him with the girls, like, when they're crawling through... I don't know what you call that. When I don't know either. That <laughs> narrow... Yeah, the it's canyon, like I guess, but it's, like, crack, two walls that are running. It must be a crack, just because crack, he yeah. talks about how, like, yeah, of course they move. Yeah. Everything's moving. And then they drop down in the water. I guess, first question, would you guys drop down into the water? <laughs> I don't know. Um, if... I know that there's like water below yeah. then yeah yeah i mean you hear him come up and obviously he's yeah. done it before yeah and he's fine yeah and they wouldn't be there that i mean that seems like a really intense place to go if you're mm -hmm. just starting to get into hiking mm. so i feel they must be adventurous enough that they would have yeah and they make a point of say we climb we squeeze, yeah, we climb, yeah. We squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fucking high though <laughs> like yeah. when you actually yeah. shoot it really well it doesn't look fake at all mm -hmm. it's real that scene was really cool yeah, yeah i really yeah. liked it but I would, I just, in my head, I'd be that last girl. And then I know I would like be You're so like, cautious. Well, I would myself. smack my head a little bit on one side uh. and then I'd smack it <laughs> to the other side. And then you just end up dead in the water, like below. <laughs> just be rattling back and forth. I think I would maybe try to inch down as much as I could mm. and then drop once it yeah. opens up more. Yeah. Yeah. They should have I'm swum also a bit my athletic out ability. of, yeah. Yeah, like, out of the way a bit. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, that could go really wrong it's gonna yep. land yeah. on you yeah. exactly and it was weird because because it is so the beach that scene like my previous knowledge of Danny Boyle films made me feel and I remember even the first time I saw it I was like well this is going to be okay because I've seen the beach and I know these are joyful moments mm -hmm. for him because again he likes to show that joy in these dangerous situations before he shows mm -hmm. the treachery mm -hmm. in them um yeah and then we get like a lot of POV shots here as well and I was yeah. reading a thing with Danny Boyle saying he was reading the book and immediately wanted to make the film but he wanted to make sure it was an immersive first person experience basically because he thought it was really important that by the time you get to the end and the stuff he has to do to get out you feel like you are him almost kind mm -hmm. of thing like so there's a lot of pov we even have the pov of like his hand sort of touching the canyon walls and stuff like that which, um and then yeah he leaves them wanders off and uh, almost immediately falls down another little crack and a boulder. I never, I didn't quite, is he like leaning on it and then it falls with him? He checks it with his foot to make sure it's stable. And then he kind of hops over it and is sliding or inching down, squeezing down like they were <laughs> when they were in the water. But then I think he starts to slip. So he mm. reaches up to grab it. And then it triggers to it to come down with him. And then it pulls. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you get some recreations of this later in the film? And they do that fantastic cross-section shot where it's all black. And as he's falling, it's creating like the, the knife of light. Do you remember that shot? Like it's like between. a vein. Yeah, it's like profile, but in silhouette yeah. as he's falling. And you rocks see it. his hands with the rock right it's above fucking it. fucking great. I love yeah. Um, yeah, he falls. The music immediately stops. And it's the first time really in up until this point in the movie that the music has stopped properly. Mm -hmm. Um and I loved that you kind of, the title then comes up and you're left with him and he, he doesn't shout, he doesn't scream. Yeah. He's just kind of passive for a while yeah. as he sort of takes in the situation. Yeah, I didn't really buy his... He looked pretty pain-free when his hand got trapped. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it's probably is because of sh the shock and stuff. But yeah, yeah, it looked pretty painful with the blood smudge on the, on the wall and stuff yeah yeah there's definitely time you could have done yeah more time with him actually showing a reaction mm. to what has happened 
Um, but again, I don't, I don't know how much, yeah, shock, how quickly shock kicks in with that kind mm. of thing. Yeah. Um, 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 and particularly with the character, like his brain is just processing things. Like, okay, right. what do I do next? How yeah. do I get out of mm. here? Because he does immediately then pretty much straight away gets out all the things from and his bag, chipping mm-hmm. away. lays them all out, see, okay, what items do I have? But he's almost, yeah. almost relishing it as kind of a, this is a problem. How mm. do I solve it? Mm, uh, how do true. I get around this? Um, but yeah, before that, you get him screaming for the girls' names just in case they hear him, and we get that incredible shot. Which again, I don't know how they did it because it's so smooth. Mm-hmm. Where they just zoom out right from him, yeah. you come all the way out from the canyon, yeah. you keep going, keep going until you just see, yeah, mm-hmm. the canyon lands yeah. around them. Because this was before like drones became so yeah, like drone shots became so, so common. Norm, yeah, and they did do the he did do a similar shot in the beach where um, it started off as a close up or something, and then it kind of zoomed out like a lot until yes. it, the island turned into a cg yeah cgi island. a horrible cgi was really, that was really badly done but this one was yeah, this was like actually, the real yeah. deal yeah yeah this is what they were trying to do with that shot on the beach <laughs> yeah so then yeah well, like he's got everything out on the rock and the first thing he does is he gets his little switch blade kind of thing mm-hmm. and decides to start chipping away um at the rock this did bother me a little bit on this viewing because he's not chipping at anything connected between the rock and the wall yeah i was thinking about that too and i don't know if if he was just trying to make it thinner so that it would slide out but that wasn't even oh, so he could slide the arm out you think yeah because um, the arm it doesn't cover the bottom part of his arm oh so i didn't know if he was just loosening that so he could like wiggle uh, out. oh maybe yeah because i was kind of watching it just as if because uh, if I can he just makes the off. rock smaller it's just gonna slide yeah further mm. down which his arm is there blocking it right okay Okay, that's a good know. point. So he's trying to like maybe like get enough of the bumps out so he could then pull his arm out. Yeah, that's again. what I was thinking. Right. But then later on in the sense. movie, he says, now I just realized if I do this, my arm is the one that's blocking it. So yeah. that's not what he was trying to do. I don't know. Yeah, because I always got that he was trying to like unwedge it, essentially. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the rock kind of thing from the wall. And yeah, and he's clearly not hitting anything that's connecting the two things. It's mm-hmm. just like a bit of a nub of the rock sticking out, which... In my head, it was just like, as a filmmaker, you can imagine him on the day going, yeah, fuck it, just knock on that. Yeah, and that doesn't work, and he drops the knife, and you get the whole scene with him with his toes and the twig and stuff, which I was proud of my monkeying the other day when I took a selfie with the phone. I was like, yeah. couldn't pick up a twig. <laughs> bend a bit of it and I'm then sure get the could. keys. Um, but he's still kind of getting enjoyment from these little moments mm-hmm. at this point in the film. So you're really getting his character if he's still sees it as a mental challenge he can get out of yeah he's in problem solver mode um and then he starts to create a pulley system straight away quite early on um and here's where we get our first tiny flashback uh which is him with now we never really ascertain his entire family who they are but i presume some of those people at the end are his brothers i'm guessing um Um, Cause there's a whole bunch of them. There's a lot. Similar yeah. ages as well. So they were like mates or something. Maybe. Yeah, friends or cousins even or yeah. something. Could you get a flashback to him That's with someone? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you get a flashback to him standing or someone standing on the rock, a rock with him. So sort of saying, oh, how did this right. rock get here? Kind yeah, of yeah, thing. yeah. Um, and that's the first time you get that. And it's just for a split second. Um, and then you get the beautiful scene of uh, him enjoying the beauty of the slice of light and the warmth as it goes through the canyon and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been through, have you done any like hikes through canyons like these? Mm-mm. They're really cool. There's one nearby, which I mentioned at the beginning, called Antelope Canyon, which is just like this. 
um, which sadly became famous because like eight years ago or ten years ago or even uh, a whole bunch of people tourists died when they were on a tour down there because it was a flash flood oh. and there's no way out. 